Hey folks, I'm so glad you decided to tune in again today for another faith-filled message brought to you by the partners of the Peckville Assembly of God. We could not do it without you. We're getting this gospel message out as fast as we can on as many networks and voices as we can to help empower people by the power of Jesus Christ. We could not do it without your faithful partnership. If you do me a favor, let people know about our broadcast. Help us uh, either by word of mouth or sharing it with them on Facebook, whatever it might be. We truly appreciate all of our partners. We pray for you each and every day. Hey, drop us a line sometime. We'd love to hear from you. Stay tuned. We're coming live at you with the word right now. Time some of y'all start learning how to laugh. I said start learning how to laugh. You get a bad news, just laugh it off. I said just laugh it off. I'll show it to you real quick. Come on. I wasn't going to go here, but some of y'all look like you need it. Flip over with me. Psalms. Real quick. Psalm 112. (laughs) Hallelujah. Come on. Psalm 112 says this. I love Psalm 112. It says, Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. His offspring will be mighty in the land. Come on, parents. I said, come on, parents. My child will be great in this land. Your child, you ought to confess stuff like that. I said, you ought to confess stuff like that. Start talking about how great your child's going to be. I had a friend, when her child hit the twos, he used to have people come, oh, these are the terrible twos. He renamed it. He used to call it the terrific twos. These are the terrific twos. These aren't the terrible twos. Come on. Let people do it with our baby. Oh, I bet you're not sleeping. I sleep more than I ever have. And so does my wife. Amen. I better put that sidebar in there. Our child has slept through the night since day one. Because I found a scripture that says he gives his beloved rest. What his word says, you can have. I says, what his word says, you can have. My doctor's not even saved. He said, you're one in a million. I said, how'd you know? He said, well, because your baby sleeps through the night. He says, you ought to play the lottery. I said, you think so? He says, well, no, everybody I had, their, their kids don't sleep through the night. I said, mine does since day one. Folks, it's the blessing of God. But you know what it is? I found a scripture I could stand on. I said, I found a scripture I could stand on. And I got it deep down on the inside and started confessing it with my mouth. Amen? His offspring will be mighty in the land. Nathan, put it up there in the NLT if you have it. Amplified. I love that too. Do the NLT though so they can see it. I'm an ESV, but we'll do NLT. His offspring will be mighty in the land. Watch this. The generation of the upright will be blessed. I told your son today, this morning. I was with your son about 7.30 this morning. He said, man, I took this business venture. He said, you cannot believe how busy I am. I said, sure I can. I said, number one, you have a praying mother. Did that scripture just say your children will be blessed? I said, number two, I said, you sow good seed. I said, you did, he did something for me recently. I, I said, that was good seed. I said, and it's funny, right when you were starting your business, I was the guy you started with, and look how it's taken off for you in the last month. I said, that's good seed. Come on. You know what he said to me? You're right. I said, I know. Praise God. Your offspring will be mighty in the land. The generation upright will be blessed. Watch this, number three. Verse three. Wealth and riches will be in your household. I didn't say it. He did. Some of y'all made an ugly face right there because you have a hard time with the P word. Come on. Wealth and riches will be in your household. I don't know about you, but wealth and riches have to be in my household. Come on. The word says it. Is that just as much a scripture as John 3.16 or Romans 10.9? Then wealth and riches have to chase me down. And you too, if you take it by faith. If you're a sower, it belongs to you. I said it belongs to you. Come on, I'm not taking an offering. I'm teaching what the Word of God says. Amen? You can loosen up the cheeks a little bit. Come on. Wealth and riches will be in your household. And this is old covenant. And his righteousness will endure forever. Verse 4. Light dawns in the darkness for the upright. Hello. 
Light dawns in the darkness for the upright. That means when the situation looks impossible for everybody else, I don't know what everybody else is doing or what they're going through, but my light's going to break forth for me, and it's going to be like the LED headlight on that motorcycle, baby. As I roll down the road, it gets brighter and brighter and brighter as I go, even though everybody else is stuck in the darkness and stuck in economic trouble and stuck in everything else. No, no, I'm going to keep moving forward because the Word of God says that light will shine in the darkness for the godly. I don't know about you, but if you're godly and I'm godly, that means that we don't have to struggle like everybody else struggles. That means we're not going to get stuck like everybody else stuck. Watch this. Jonathan said this one time, and I ripped it off of him. He said, he said, it's a... It's not unscriptural to be challenged. But it's unscriptural to be defeated. It's not unscriptural to be challenged. The Bible says many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of all of them. problem with the church is most folks have got stuck with the first half of that. Well, many are the afflictions of the righteous. Read the rest of the verse, you bozo. Sorry. I've had enough religious people trying to tell me you know, well, the Word of God. Have you actually read the Bible? Have you? Or you listen to some, you know, preacher that has no Holy Ghost about him whatsoever. It tells you, many are afflictions of the righteous. Someday when we get to heaven, the sweet by and by. Let me tell you something. Jesus said when you pray that my will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. That means you can have a foretaste on earth of what heaven's going to be like. Catholics say it every day and don't even realize what they're praying. It's the Lord's Prayer, our Father. You guys with me? Come on. I said, are you with me? He is gracious, merciful, and righteous. It is well with the man who deals generously and lends, who conducts his affairs with justice. Amen? Watch this. For the righteous will never be moved. That's one to stand on. I said, the righteous will never be moved. Imagine you start getting that attitude about you. Some of y'all just have attitude. Come on. Husbands, don't look at your wife. Just keep looking forward. Praise God. Come on. Imagine you got that attitude about you. The righteous will never be moved. Somebody said to me the other day, they said, you're just a young guy that's full of pee and vinegar. So they didn't say pee. Amen. I said, I'm not full of pee and vinegar. I'm full of Holy Ghost and power. He looked at me like I had seven heads. It wasn't something they were used to. Well, you're just stubborn. No, 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 no. I bit into this thing called the Word of God like a bulldog, and I ain't letting go of it. Come on. I'm not moved by what I see. I'm not moved by what I feel. I'm moved by what the Word of God says. And you should be too. Come on. I said you should be too. (laughs) The righteous will never be moved. Watch this. He will be remembered forever. Hello. I better keep moving. He is not afraid of bad news. I'll say it again. I'm not afraid of bad news. When I was 10 years old, laying in the Lehigh Valley Burn Center, with 50% of my body burned with third-degree burns from the waist up. There's seven layers in your neck. I burned through five of them. They had my head in a thing like this, afraid if I turned to the right or the left, I was going to take my head off my own shoulders. At 10 years old, and the doctors, right, they thought, you know, they doped me up on morphine and all this stuff. It's disgusting. Some of y'all have seen people get burned. The doctor said to my parents, he said, I'm sorry. He's not going to make it. I about pulled that thing up out of my arm. You asked my parents. At 10 years old, I said, I'm not going to die. I'm going to live. I said, I got half the churches on the East Coast praying for me, and you think I'm going to die? That's at 10 years old because I was taught this thing. I said, because I was taught this thing. I didn't always follow it. I didn't always do what's right. They don't hear what I'm not saying. But at 10 years old, there was enough faith down on the inside of me that when I got bad news... I just took authority over it, laying there on a medical table. Doctor said, you know, okay to my parents, let's go out of the room. You know, the morphine's kicking in on him. It wasn't morphine, that was the Holy Ghost. He said to my parents, there's no way. He's been burned in a gasoline fire. He's literally burning from the inside out. Here I am. They flew in a doctor from Germany and one from California because they could not believe the medical miracle. 
That was just one, folks. I've had blood transfusion, beat leukemia. I mean, you wouldn't believe the stuff. Why? Because I am not going to be taken out by something in this world. And neither are you. I said, neither are you. Yeah. Working for my great aunt. She's 106. She don't have no problems. She got mad as all get out when they moved her into a place, you know, with the rest of senior citizens. She wasn't liking that. At 99 years old, she went for a ride on a Harley. Son of God. Since she was a kid, she's confessed, I'll live to be 107. We were visiting her. She lives in Hartford, Connecticut. We were visiting her last year, my Aunt Eileen. Great aunt, obviously. She'd be a little bit older than my mother. My great aunt. It's my grandma Dross sister. I said, Aunt Eileen, you should live to be 120. Show folks what this 120 thing's all about. She said, no, I'll live to be 107. I said, you're stubborn. She said, so are you. Amen. You're still fighting at 105. You're a fighter. Amen. She said, no, I told the Lord, and I've been confessing since I was young, I'll live to be 107. So she's 106. We recently tried to, you know, convince her again to go for 120. No, next year. I told somebody the other day, I, I said, you know, they said, well, you know, people, you know, they think I'm extreme in my faith or they don't like that or whatever. I said, just outlive them. Come on, that's a good plan. Nobody can have a naysay or say something about you when they're six feet under and you're still living. Amen? Come on. Who do you think you are living to be 120? Meanwhile, they're gone at 75. Next. Come on. That's arrogant. No, it's what the Word of God says. When are you going to get serious about your faith and believe in God? I had somebody tell me the other day, well, the Bible says, you know, in Psalms, 70 years by reason of measure, 80. I said, then the Bible's lying. Oh, I caught your attention there. I said, because if that's the truth, how are people living beyond 80 years old? I said, let me help you a little bit, my friend. I said, that was talking about the Israelite children who were in rebellion in the desert. Oh, baby. I said, last I checked, that 120-year thing's still in play. I said, that 120-year thing's still in play. If the Lord should tarry that long, I'm going for it. I'm only going for it. I'm going to have it. I said, I'm going to have it. I tell people all the time I'll be 120. I said, I'm 28. Two years or now more like a year and a half. I'll be 30. I said, one quarter of my life will be over. There's four quarters in the game. One quarter of my life will be over. But we've been taught to believe like everybody else. Well, you know, everything, there's a time and a season. My time's coming. No, no, my time's coming when I say it's time. When I say it's time. When you say it's time. Well, cancer, cancer is not allowed to touch me. I'm God's property. So are you if you're a child of God. Last I checked, if it can't touch God, it has no right touching his property either. Diabetes, heart disease, all, all that nonsense has no place. None whatsoever. You don't have to accept that. I said, you don't have to accept that. Come on, you don't have to accept that. Jesus said, what you permit. Oh, man. Jesus said, what you permit. What are you permitting in your life that shouldn't be there? Well, go over here, near John. More friendly over here. What are you permitting in your life that shouldn't be there? What are you allowing to harass you that has no right to harass you? Kyle and I were on a broadcast teaching yesterday. Somebody said something about, well, heart disease runs in my family. I said, let it run out. I go to the doctor. Ask Dr. Brundage down here. I was down there recently because I had to get a physical for my CDL. That's the only reason. He says, you haven't been here in seven years. I said, I know. And I wouldn't be here unless the state told me I had to be. He says, that's not good. I said, says who? I said, go ahead, check it. 20-20 vision, heart, blood pressure, everything will be fine. The nurse says, that's kind of arrogant. I just smiled at her. So they checked everything. Perfect blood pressure, 20, 20, bit, the whole thing. So I just smiled at her a little harder. You know what I'm saying? Don't tell me. Don't speak that over my life. Don't speak that over me. 
In fact, I don't permit you to speak that over me. I don't have to be rude. When I walk out of a place, I just curse it after I walk out. I don't have to curse it to their face. Come on. You guys curse everything else. Why not start cursing the bad things in your life? Amen? I'll say it. We're on the last Saturday night anyway. (laughs) You tell everybody else to go to hell, why not start telling sickness and disease to go there too? Come on. Come on. Somebody cuts you off out here, you don't exactly tell them go to heaven. Come on. Why not tell sickness and disease to go back there where it came from? Tell that infirmity to report to Satan that it has failed. I said it's failed. Everything that's been sent, watch this, on assignment to harass your life or attack your life, it's coming off of your life tonight in Jesus' mighty name. We're taking authority over every attack of the enemy and cursing it down off of our lives never to rise again. It shall not rise a second time. Health, longevity, victory, prosperity, protection, divine wisdom will be our portion in Jesus' mighty name. Amen? Hallelujah. Not afraid of bad news. Watch this. His heart is firm, trusting in the Lord. His heart is steady. He will not be afraid. You got to get rid of that fear stuff. I said you got to get rid of that fear stuff. You understand the Bible says in Job 3.25, the very thing that Job feared the most came upon him. The very thing Job feared the most came upon him you got to get rid of that garbage. Because if Satan can get you to start being afraid of it, you can open yourself right up to it. I said, you can open yourself right up. Well, I'm afraid of cancer. Next thing you know, they're dealing with that. I'm not afraid of anything. It's not allowed to touch me. It's not allowed to touch me or my household, according to Psalm 91. So I'm going to stand in faith. I'm going to stand on the Word of God. And I don't care what's plaguing everybody else. It's not permitted to plague me in Jesus' mighty name. If Jesus' blood died to abolish it, it has no place in my house. When are we going to start getting aggressive with the things of God? Start getting aggressive with our faith. Well, that's kind of extreme, brother. Jesus was kind of extreme. Oh, I said Jesus was kind of extreme. So was his followers. I said so was his followers. So if we're followers of Christ, shouldn't we be a little extreme too? I said shouldn't we be a little extreme too? His heart is steady. Verse 8. He will not be afraid until he looks in triumph on his adversaries. You know what that's called? Staying in faith. I said staying in faith. Staying in faith. I prayed for somebody to get healed a couple weeks ago. Felt the healing anointing go running in their body. They said... Uh, when my blood report came back, I said, it don't matter. You have a greater blood report. I said, you have a greater blood report. Oh, man. You're telling me that your blood, you know, never mind. I'll let it go. They said, well, I'm supposed to be gluten intolerant. What would you do? I said, go eat a ton of gluten. If you're asking what I would do. I'm not telling you that's what you need to do. If you're asking what I would do, I've been healed bring on a pizza and a cheeseburger and everything else that I want to have that they tell me I can't have. Amen? Come on. So they sent me a Snapchat back. Just ordered a pizza. Enjoy. I hope it's a good one. Come on. He says, my heart's steady. I won't be afraid until I look in triumph on my adversaries. He has distributed freely. He's given to the poor. Your righteousness endures forever. Your horn will be exalted in honor. Come on. The wicked man, I love this, sees it and gets angry. The wicked man sees it and gets angry. Do you realize you should be so blessed in every area of your life that unsaved people should look at you and grit and gnat their teeth? Oh, they should get mad at you because of what you have, because how you live your life, how you just keep getting promoted and elevated, promoted and elevated, and they've been trying and grasping at straws and they can't go anywhere, they ought to look at you and say, what is with you? 
Oh, let me tell you. I have a God named Jehovah who is the one true God. And he's the one who promotes me. The Bible says promotion comes from the Lord. He's the one who has blessed me. He's the one who's given this to me. He's the one that's healed my body. He's the one that strengthened me and raised me up and delivered me. And every good and perfect thing I have has come directly from his hand. So you ought to try looking at where the source is. I have connection to the source and his name is Jesus. Come on. And when you plug into the power, everything about your life must change. Everything. Well, I got saved. Bless God. Someday when I get to heaven. Let me tell you, you're right. Someday when I get to heaven, that was guaranteed at the cross. But here's what I know. I'm going to get it here on earth too. I'm going to get it here on earth. I'm going to have everything Jesus paid for. I'm not leaving anything behind. I will be blessed. I will be prosperous. I'll be healthy. I'll live a long life. I'll have wisdom. I'll have supernatural insight. Why? Because who my God is. And if I'm connected to God, if God lives on the inside of me, if God could be for me, who could be against me? If I'm more than a conqueror, if I could do all things through Christ who strengthened me, when do we start believing what the Word of God says and then putting faith and action together and having what God has for His children? When are we going to have it? It's a time. It's my season. It's my time. It's my season. It's my time. It's my season. I'm expecting it from you. How many people get up on Mondays and say, well, it's Monday. It's going to suck. Yeah. It's Monday. It's going to be rough. Right? Christians talk like this. Supposedly Christians. I'll leave that one alone. Well, here comes another week. You know, we got the Monday blues. What blues? Blue shirt? Blues music? Like, I, what blues? You know, oh, now it's Tuesday. Then we have hump day. Maybe I grew up in a different school than you did. But when they taught us seven days in a week, hump day was not one of them. I can assure you. Come on. I got the midweek blues. I thought you had the Monday blues. Now you have the midweek blues? Come on, how true is this? Christians talk like this. They, I'll tell you what. Facebook, if anything, has revealed all the dummies in the world to us. Because you get on Facebook and it's like Monday blues, Tuesday blues, hump day blues. You're supposed to have the hope of glory on the inside of you. You are more than a conqueror. Thanks be to God who's given us the triumph in everything. You are the spirit of God on the inside and you have what blues? Come on. Only blues I have is Chuck Berry. Amen. Right? Or whatever. Am I allowed to say that? <laughs> Come on. Right? What do you have to be depressed about? Honestly, you just read that you'll triumph on every one of your adversaries. And you're worried about what? Enjoy. I meet young people all the time. Well, my life's over. You're 15. <laughs> According to the word, you got 105 years to go. Your life's over from what? Well, she broke up with me. I would break up with you too. You're a loser. Amen. If you think your life's over at 15, I mean, come on. Right? Come on. That's why they let Kyle do the youth. They don't invite me over there to preach. I just tell the kids. <laughs> oh, God. It's true, though. Come on. Oh, he broke up with me. So what? If anything, it did you a favor. When you start looking at things like that, well, she broke up. I mean, she just lost the best thing she had. Amen. God, bring in one better. Praise God. I mean, come on. Think about this. Christians live like everybody else. Christians live like everybody else. You know what attracted me so much? When I was a kid, my great-grandfather used to babysit us, Richard Clark. Man, he was a rough dude. I think I inherited some of his uh, attributes just maybe. One time, he owned a trailer park over here and all kinds of properties and stuff. He only had a third grade education became a multimillionaire. Don't tell me seed time and harvest don't work. He just believed God. He told us all the time, you work hard, you give to God, God will take care of the rest. He 
had riding stables. Some of you remember from Montdale, right? Joe, you remember. Had a diner down the front, right? If there wasn't a business, he wasn't in. Well, I only have a third grade education, so I'll never be able to amount to anything in life. No, 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 no. He got a whole word of faith. And let me tell you something. So we were kids, used to babysit us. And he'd have Jesse on the TV and Brother Copeland on the TV. And once in a while, I'd throw him a little Rod Parsley in the mix, right? I mean, that's babysitting us. That's how we were brought up. You know what attracted me so much to these type of guys? Truthfully. They had what they said. I said they had what they said. I said this. They possessed what they confessed. And I'll be honest with you, even when my life got off the rails as a teenager, I don't blame anybody but myself. But you know what used to really bother me? Was Christians saying, we're the head, not the tail. And they were below the tail. They were like the lower buttocks. You know what I'm saying? Come on. I'm the head, not the tail. No, you're not. You know why? Because they'd say something. They'd say something, but they'd act a different way. They would say something, but they wouldn't put faith in action together. They didn't really have faith. They would just mumble words out somewhere when you realize God has called you to do great things God has put greatness on the inside of you I said he put greatness on the inside of you Whew. you'll wake up every day and the thing will be burning on the inside of you it'll even make you frustrated it'll make you frustrated maybe I'm the only one I get frustrated sometimes because I say you know what God you've called me to do this and do this and do this and do this and God you better get on your Rolex, man, because it's I'm 28, and we got a lot of work to do. And ask my wife. My wife said to me a couple weeks ago. She said, when will enough ever be enough for you? I said, never. 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 It'll never be. Well, you should be content in all things. You know, don't even get religious on me. It'll never be enough. Always advancing, ever increasing. Why? Because God lives on the inside of me. And if God's always advancing, God's ever increasing, then I have to always be advancing and ever be increasing. You know whose job that is? Mine. Yours. The man in the mirror. If my great-grandfather with a third grade education could become a multimillionaire, you can too. What's your excuse? You own a trailer park. And this guy said something foul to my grandmother. I'll never forget. Oh, man, he was he rough, man. Wore cowboy boots. Wore cowboy boots. Carried a gun. Never mind. I guess I inherited a lot from him. Carried a gun this whole thing. He drove that F-150, man. He went barreling over that hill. I was a little kid. Threw that thing in park. He grabbed that guy by the collar. He about punched his teeth down his throat. Let me tell you something. Somebody said, oh, that, a Christian should never do that. No, that guy learned to never disrespect a woman again. Come on. I bet you he thought twice next time he said something lewd to a woman. He afraid Richard Clark would have come over the hill in his F-150. He was rough. I mean, he used to take the front door off of people's places, you know, paying the rent and stuff. I mean, he was next level. Kind of stuff that's frowned upon nowadays. All people have to say is they're offended, and then, you know, it's over with. I'll leave that alone. But my granddad, my great-grandfather, was a guy who possessed what he confessed. He never let anybody limit him in life. And then I see it through my grandparents on both sides. And I see it through my parents. And so I, I'm sorry if I sound a little extreme, but I've been brought up in this thing. And even when I was away from the Lord, I used to come home in the middle of the night and I hear my parents praying in the back room on their hands and knees speaking in tongues and stuff. And I used to holler, stop praying for me, amongst other things. But they had faith in their prayers and it make you miserable on the inside. Can I get a witness? Maybe I'm the only prodigal son in the place. But when those seeds have been sown on the inside of you, they must produce a harvest. They must. I said they must. Parents, what you sow into your kids must produce a harvest. Has to. Galatians 6, 7, God will not be mocked. Whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. The wicked man sees it and is angry. He gnashes his teeth and melts away. The desire of the wicked will perish. Amen? All right. Now to get where I was supposed to be. Turn over with me to Luke chapter 5. I told you uh, 
been a few weeks since I preached. I appreciate Daniel preaching for me. I heard he did a bang-up job. And then Bishop last week, you guys enjoy Bishop? I love Bishop Thomas. I'm going to be with him in a couple months down in Florida again. And, uh, boy, that guy has a revelation on seed time and harvest. I said he has a revelation on it. Amen? So before I left you, we talked about faith centurion. We talked about Jesus cleansing a leper. But let's look at it in Luke 5 quick. Verse 12. While he was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. One translation says, if it's your will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will, or it's my will, be clean. And immediately, somebody say immediately, the leprosy left him. I told you this. I said, if you were a leper... Here's what you have to understand, because most modern-day Christians don't understand it. If you were a leper, you had to, you lost your job, you lost your house, you lost your family, you lost all of your assets. You were put outside the city and had to live in a colony of lepers. You were never allowed to have contact with anybody who wasn't a leper again. So because, watch this, because of the sickness and disease, it ruined their social status. It ruined them financially. It ruined them relationally. It ruined them emotionally. And it ruined their body physically. Watch this. Sickness and disease today will do the same thing. I said it'll do the same thing. The devil has no new tricks under the sun. And when your body's plagued with sickness and disease, it'll ruin your life emotionally. It'll ruin ruin your life relationally. Watch this. It'll ruin your life financially. Folks, it's not exactly free to get a a trip down to the hospital or stay over in the hospital. Or, I'll stay away from it. I'll say, or anything they want to inject you with. Amen. I'll leave it right there. This man obviously heard about Jesus. He heard about wherever Jesus was, the power of God was present to heal. I said the power of God was present to heal. You understand wherever Jesus is today, the power of God is still present to heal. I said the power of God is still present to heal. He says, if you will. That's the same thing most Christians are saying today. That's the same thing most Christians are saying today. Well, Lord, if you will, you can heal me. I know you did miracles in the Bible, but, you know, if you don't heal me, you're still God. No, no, no. It is his will. The Bible says in Acts 10.38 how God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. I tell you this, as a Christian, if you don't believe it's God's will to heal every person you pray for, don't even bother praying for people because you won't see people get healed. No, that's strong. No, no, no. That's a fact. That's what you call a Bible fact. Every time you pray for somebody, you must know it's God's will for them to be healed. Or don't bother laying your hands on them. Because you're wasting your time, God's time, and their time. I, I took you to dinner last Saturday night over to Formosa. It's one of my favorite places. And I love Sherry. She's an 11 a.m. Sunday. She, that place is phenomenal over in Clark Summit. And she always blesses us when we go over there. But she puts me to work most of the time when we're there. Not cleaning dishes. Not cooking anything. Thank God. Amen. I said, hey, man. That's why I married an Italian. Amen. Never mind. It's a joke. But she can cook. Praise God. Now she puts me to work. If there's anybody sick in the place, she goes over and tells them, I'll pray for them and they'll get healed. That place has turned into a hot spot. I said it's turned into a hot spot. I laid hands on somebody, Joey, a couple months ago. She's nice about it. She lets us eat our meal, dessert, get fat to the point where we can barely move, and then asks us to minister. Amen. I prayed for a man with an oxygen tank and a walker. And he had, I don't know, COPD and this, that, and he had more problems than Heinz S. Pickles. Amen? She said, he prayed for you, you get healed. That's called believing the heart, confessing with the mouth. That's called knowing it's God's will. So I went over. I didn't go, Jesus! You know, I don't have like a nut job. I just said, Father... Have mercy. 
After all, you said Jesus had compassion on people and healed them. So, Father, I ask, I know you have compassion on these people. Heal them, Lord. Touch them. Just things of that nature, nice and easy. I got done praying. He looked up. I don't know if he was a believer. He went like this and pushed his laundry out in front of him. His wife said, what are you doing? I always have people doubt from within your own house. What are you doing? He says, I don't have any pain. He says, I feel different. He says, what was that? I said, that's Jesus. I don't really have a name for it other than J-E-S-U-S. Amen? He said, I've had this pain for years in my knees, and I feel like i got two brand new knees. Push that walker out. Takes a big step forward. Of course, his wife said, no, 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 you know. Just let the man go. What's the worst thing that happens? He falls. He's about dead anyway. I mean, you know, it's going to get much worse than this. Takes a step, puts action to the faith, and God healed him right then and there. Because of me? No, because of who my God is. Because the power he's put on the inside of us. Because of the authority he's given us. Because of the faith that he's placed in the inside of us. But when are we going to start using it, folks? It'd be like having a couple million bucks in the bank and never writing one check. Stupid. Come on. What's the point? You'll die, the money will be there, and then Cousin Eddie and them will be fighting over it anyway. No, you got a couple million bucks in the bank. It's okay to write some checks. I said, it's okay to write some checks. Well, I'm not in a cheap crowd tonight, am I? It's okay to write some checks, amen? Why? Because you already have the money in the bank. Watch this. You already have healing on the inside of you. You already have miracles on the inside of you. You have the anointing of God on the inside of you and upon your life. But it's up to you to write the check. There's two parts every miracle. God's part and our part. It's up to me to speak the word of healing. It's up to me to lay hands on the sick. Jesus said, you lay hands on the sick, then they'll recover. Watch this. There's a difference between the working of miracles and the gift of healing. It's a difference. This is where most Christians lose it. Working of miracles is right there. Immediately, leprosy left his body. What do you do when Jesus prayed for the ten lepers, though? And only one came back. Gift of healing is every time I lay hand on you, you're getting healed. It's up to you to recover. I said, it's up to you to recover. You know how many people, and I'll just say this. How many people come to this altar, get prayed for, and healing anointing goes running in their body, heals their body, and they lose it before they leave the parking lot? They lose it before they leave the parking lot. Because they say, wow, symptoms are still here. I still feel it. I know he prayed. I feel a little bit different, but I'm, I'm still in pain. You're killing your miracle with your mouth. You're not staying in faith. The Bible says, I just read it to you in Psalm 112, that your heart will be firm, trusting in the Lord until you triumph over all your adversaries. Truthfully, I'm in pain this week. Was in pain. Left my body this morning. But I've been believing for my healing since Monday. And add insult to injury, Tuesday night, we're hitting softballs out here. I get dunked in the shin with a line drive. I wasn't exactly praising Jesus over it. Amen? Doctor told me, he says, well, you got a torn chest muscle. You need to lay off the sports for a while. So I played in a charity golf tournament on Monday. Played softball Tuesday night. Played softball Thursday night. Amen. And we played golf yesterday. That's foolish. No, 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 no. I believed I received my healing. No, maybe I shouldn't be playing sports. But I like them. And I've been staying in faith all week. I've been limping around all week. People say, what's wrong? I say, nothing. There's plenty of nice people downtown that walk with a limp. I'm just walking like them too. Amen. Some of y'all get that later. <laughs> I'm good. I'm great. Never felt better. No one I received the minute I believed. Just recovering, working that thing out. Come on. I woke up this morning, and I did more yard work today, ripping shrubs out the ground, push mowing, all kinds of stuff, weed whacking, chainsawing, everything. Feeling great. My wife says, you're moving good today. I said, I know. Moving all around on this thing. Look, stomp my foot. I'll jump up and down. Come on. Why? Because God is working it out. But I had to stay in faith. I had to stay in faith. 
I had to keep confessing and keep believing and keep staying in faith. Watch this. My chest don't hurt at all. Not at all. Ask your, ask your uh, grandson. I was smacking the golf ball yesterday. Amen. Thanking Jesus all the way. Come on. So he says, and they charge him, tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing. Somebody say, make an offering. I tell you this, if I could help you. Every time God gives you a breakthrough in your life, and like I said, I'm not taking an offering. We'll do that later. I would challenge you to do this. Sow a breakthrough seed. I said, sow a breakthrough seed. Every time God gives you a breakthrough, Bishop talked about Sunday, digging a well, building an altar. Sow a breakthrough seed there as a thank you to God. I know it sounds crazy. Sometimes I'll come into the sanctuary and pray. There's nobody around here during the week. Blacked out or whatever, put some music on and pray and talk, whatever. Sometimes I'll just take money and lay it on the altar. I'm in your presence. I just want to offer you something. Before I come asking, before I come, I want to offer you something, let you know I love you. I don't need somebody standing with a purple bag or a black bucket or whatever the heck it is. That's all good and fine. It's well and fine. But what are you offering God when nobody else is looking? I said, what are you offering God when nobody else is looking? That's what I love about the text to give thing. I give all the time. Nobody knows about it. I challenge you. You see right here. Make an offering for your cleansing. I didn't say it. Jesus told them to. You guys are looking at me starry-eyed. This is right here in Luke 5, 14. Make an offering for your cleansing. As Moses commanded for a proof to them. Amen? Verse 15, now watch this. But now even more the report about him went abroad. You understand, that's how it should be. You understand that it ought to be going out from this house. What's happening on Sunday, this whole community ought to be talking about during the week. i tell you this, they are talking about us. Oh, they are. I went somewhere the other day. I found out we have three jet planes and a helicopter. I swear to God. I was at the junkyard down here in Scranton. They didn't know who I was because I was all dirtied up and had on whatever. They're talking about three jet planes and a helicopter. I said, Lord, amen. Out of the mouth of the wicked. I mean, come on. you got to have fun with this thing, right? So I got up to the counter, and the guy says, hey, Tyler, I haven't seen you in a while. What have you been up to? I says, oh, you know that place with the three jet planes and a helicopter? Yeah, they, you know what he said to me? Those guys are worth some serious mint. He's a Jew. Serious mint, he says, right? I says, really? I said, oh, that's good to know. I says, yeah, I work there. It's not like you're speaking in tongues. Amen? He was just backpedaling. He says, well, you must be the maintenance guy or something. I said, yeah, something like that. Depends what day you come on. Amen? Chief cook and bottle wash. Praise God. No, word's getting out about what we're doing for people. How we're helping people. Hello? That's why I think we're so rich. Because you couldn't do what we do without the money to do it. So, let them keep confessing and we'll possess. Come on, somebody. I said, come on, somebody. Amen. But now even more, the report went abroad about him. And great crowds gathered together, watch this, to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. To hear and be healed. To hear and be healed. You understand, every time you hear the word of God, faith is built in your heart. I said, faith is built in your heart. The Bible says faith comes by hearing that, by hearing the word of God, Romans 10, 17. I would encourage you, when you read the Bible, which should be daily, read it out loud. Read it out loud. I just started another book this week called Curing the Incurable by Jack Coe. Somebody blessed me with it this week. And he talks about that there, but reading it out loud, you know why? Because you don't even realize you're building faith in your own heart by reading it out loud. I said, ooh, that's good. Because I always read it out loud, truthfully. Because if I don't, my mind tends to wander. Maybe I'm the only one. Right? Come on. Start thinking about this week and next week and the week before and the week before. You know, all this nonsense. So read it out loud. It says they came to hear and be healed of all their infirmities. In other words, 
They came to hear Jesus, but they didn't just come to hear a good speaker. They expected to be healed. I said they expected to be healed. Imagine if every time we came to the house of God, we had an expectation for something. Every time we could look, I, I love Brother Ted. I call him the general. He's had me on the road traveling with him. He's blessed me. If you're watching, Ted, I love you. You and Sister Bonnie just had a great anniversary. They'll be here in a couple weeks. But some Christians, the only time they have faith is when an evangelist comes to town. Only time to, you know, look, I love these guys. I roll with these guys. Brother Jesse's going to be here. Financial breakthrough will be here. It will be, but it's also here every time you come in if you expect it. I love Ted. I promise you this. Brother Ted, general. I call him the general. He gives me a hard time about it. Every time he has meetings, there's signs, wonders, and miracles. Guess what? Every time we have meetings, there's signs, wonders, and miracles. Somebody sent me the other day. They said, I can't believe you've committed to do those Saturday night meetings all summer. There's not a lot of people there. And I said, yeah. How many people have gotten healed this summer? How many people have gotten delivered this summer? How many people have had a job change or financial breakthrough or something else? I'm not concerned about there being a crowd. What I'm concerned about is the power of God in the house. Are people coming to hear and be healed? The Lord dropped this in my spirit. He said, here's what's going to happen with the Peckville Assembly of God. I said, I'm all ears. He said, just like the word I gave Bishop last Sunday, that this church would be used to break the back of poverty in this area. He said, I've begun a shift in this church. I said, I know. You know, you can have conversations with God, you understand. You don't just have to get on your knees and do speed tongues or beg him or whatever. Begging doesn't move God anyway. Faith does. So you have a conversation. He says, I've begun to bring people into the Peckville Assembly of God. And if you haven't noticed, if people have been getting saved at a breakneck speed, I said, I've noticed. He said, there'll be people with an expectation and an appetite to see me move. You know what I said to him? I said, Lord, and all the people that don't, run them out the door. Most people don't realize my dad lays hands on these chairs every Saturday morning. Well, this morning he was at the Yankees game. Well, usually every Saturday morning. Amen. And he says, Lord, put the people in these seats that belong in these seats and the ones that don't, please put them out the door. We're more interested in the power and the presence of God than we are just building a crowd. If we're building a crowd, I'd never keep it as long for services. Amen? I'm not worried about you. I'm worried about the anointing of God in you. You don't like it. Go somewhere else. You have a 35-minute service and live like hell. So a lot of people do. They don't have an appetite for God or the things of God. They never see one miracle, never see one breakthrough. They live their life in the struggle and can't figure out why. Why? Because they're in like the proverbial track of life and nothing changes. Why? Because they're really not getting in the word. They're really not. It's what you call, Jesus said, uh, my people perish for lack of knowledge. They don't really understand what the word of God says concerning their lives. They don't really have faith to believe God. There's even people out there today that have a lot of mental ascent, but they don't have an expectation day by day for the things of God. The Bible said in Genesis 26 that Isaac grew richer day by day. I said, Lord, I like that. I said, but not only financially, I said, in every area of my life, let me have an expectancy day by day where I'm growing in my faith, where I'm growing in the things of you, where I'm increasing in my knowledge of you and revelation from you and wisdom from you and all other stuff will just come. I understand that. But Lord, let it be day by day. I don't want to live Sunday to Sunday. I don't want to live evangelist to evangelist like a lot of Christians are. Or, or, you know, this one or that one, like the wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. No, I want to be day by day growing in what God has for me and moving for what God has and advancing the kingdom of God each and every day. How about you? So here's what he said to me. He says, tell my people to hear and be healed. I was praying in the back, praying in the Holy Ghost with Brother Hagin. You wonder how you do that with a dead guy? It's called YouTube. Amen. Unless you're Hillary Clinton, but that's a whole different story. Amen. (laughs) Tell my people, hear and be healed. Hear and be healed. Hear and be healed. An expectation that every time they hear, they can be healed. 
an expectation. Every time they come into my presence, something's going to change. Something's going to shift. Something's going to increase. Something's going to increase. I don't care if it's Wednesday night Bible study, Sunday morning, 9, 11 a.m., Saturday night, uh, Tuesday night, Friday night. It don't make a difference. An expectation. I said an expectation. Turn over with me. Acts 3. And I'll just hit this quick before we close it out. Acts chapter 3 and verse 1. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a man, lame from birth, was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called Beautiful Gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. So this man, literally, his lifestyle was from the time he was a a child, would have to rely on other people to carry him to the temple gate and then beg people for money. There's a lot of people that are supposed to be the children of God that do the same thing.